Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 241. Today we'll be finishing off the book of Esther and continuing our look at the book of Revelation and noticing in both passages, in both sections, that the God we see in the Bible is a God who protects and a God who disciplines. And we'll see how those two things work together in a way that leads us to trust him more. So let's pick it up in Esther chapter 7. Esther has invited the king and Haman to come to a second banquet uh, so that she can beg for her life and for the life of her people who have been threatened by Haman who's coming to this banquet. And we pick it up with uh, the king and Haman coming to Esther at the second banquet. Esther chapter 7. So the king and Haman came to dine with Queen Esther. On the second day of the banquet of of wine, the king asked Esther, What is your request, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your petition? Ask for up to half the kingdom, and it shall be done. Queen Esther replied, If I have met with your approval, O king, and if the king is so inclined, grant me my life as my request, and my people as my petition. For we have been sold, both I and my people, to destruction, and to slaughter, and to annihilation. If we had simply been sold as male and female slaves, I would have remained silent, for such distress would not have been sufficient for troubling the king. Then King Ahasuerus responded to Queen Esther, saying, Who is this individual? Where is this person to be found who is presumptuous enough to act in this way? Esther replied, The oppressor and enemy is this evil Haman. Then Haman became terrified in the presence of the king and queen. In rage, the king arose from the banquet of wine and withdrew to the palace garden. Meanwhile, Haman stood to beg Queen Esther for his life, for he realized that the king had now determined a catastrophic end for him. When the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet of wine, Haman was throwing himself down on the couch where Esther was lying. The king exclaimed, Will he also attempt to rape the queen while I am still in the building? At these words, as these words left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Indeed, there is a gallows that Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke out of the king's behalf. It stands near Haman's home and is seventy-five feet high. The king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the very gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. The king's rage then abated. On that same day, King Ahasuerus gave the estate of Haman, that adversary of the Jews, to Queen Esther. Now Mordecai had come before the king, for Esther had revealed how he was related to her. The king then removed his signet ring, the very one he had taken back from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther designated Mordecai to be in charge of Haman's estate. Then Esther again spoke with the king, falling at his feet. She wept and begged him for mercy that he might nullify the evil of Haman the Agagite and the plot that he intended against the Jews. When the king extended to Esther the gold scepter, she arose and stood before the king. She said, If the king is so inclined, and if I have met with his royal approval, and if the matter is agreeable to the king, and if I am attractive to him, let an edict be written rescinding those recorded intentions of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, 
which he wrote in order to destroy the Jews who are throughout all the king's provinces. For how can I watch the calamity that will befall my people, and how can I watch the destruction of my relatives? King Ahasuerus replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, saying, Look, I have already given Haman's estate to Esther, and he has been hanged on the gallows because he took hostile action against the Jews. Now write in the king's name whatever in your opinion is appropriate concerning the Jews, and seal it with the king's signet ring. Any decree that is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring cannot be rescinded. The king's scribes were quickly summoned in the third month, that is, the month of Sivan, on the twenty-third day. They wrote out everything that Mordecai instructed to the Jews, to the satraps, governors, and officials of the provinces, all the way from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, and to each province in its own script and to each people in their own language, and to the Jews according to their own script and their own language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed it with the king's signet ring. He then sent letters by couriers who rode royal horses that were very swift. Now we'll just take a quick little pause here. Uh, just so you understand, uh, the empire at this point, the King Ahasuerus is over, uh, could make laws. He could make laws, but he couldn't rescind them. He couldn't take them back. So anything that Mordecai and Esther are going to do right now cannot simply say that's not going to happen anymore. They have to do something to uh, counteract it. They can't stop it or rescind it. Going back to our uh, chapter. The king thereby allowed the Jews who were in every city to assemble and to stand up for themselves, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any army of whatever people or province that should become their adversaries, including their women and children, and to confiscate their property. This was to take place on a certain day throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar. A copy of the edict was to be presented as law throughout each and every province and made known to all the people, so that the Jews might be prepared on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who were riding the royal horses went forth with the king's edict without delay, and the law was presented in Susa, the citadel, as well. Now Mordecai went out from the king's presence in blue and white royal attire, with a large golden crown and purple linen mantle. For the Jews there was radiant happiness and joyous honor. Throughout every province and throughout every city where the king's edict and and his law arrived, the Jews experienced happiness and joy, banquets and holidays. Many of the resident peoples pretended to be Jews because the fear of the Jews had overcome them. And in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on its thirteenth day, the edict of the king and and his law were to be executed. It was on this day that the enemies of the Jews had supposed that they would gain power over them. But contrary to expectations, the Jews gained power over their enemies. The Jews assembled themselves in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to strike out against those who were seeking to harm them. No one was able to stand before them, for dread of them fell on all the peoples. All the officials of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and those who performed the king's business were assisting the Jews, for the dread of Mordecai had fallen on them. Mordecai was of high rank in the king's palace, and word about him was spreading throughout all the provinces. His influence continued to become greater and greater. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, bringing death and destruction, and they did as they pleased with their enemies. In in Susa, the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. In addition, they also killed Parshendadatha, Delphon, Aspathath, Poratha, Adaliah, Aradatha, Paramashta, Araziah, Aradiah, and Vasaitha, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not confiscate their property. 
On that same day, the number of those killed in Susa the citadel was brought to the king's attention. Then the king said to Queen Esther, In Susa the citadel the Jews have killed and destroyed five hundred men and the ten sons of Haman. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? What is your request? It shall be given to you. What other petition do you have? It shall be done. Esther replied, If the king is so inclined, let the Jews who are in Susa be permitted to act tomorrow also according to today's law, and let them hang the ten sons of Haman on the gallows. So the king issued orders for this to be done. A law was passed in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa then assembled on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they killed three hundred men in Susa, but they did not confiscate their property. The rest of the Jews who were throughout the provinces of the king assembled in order to stand up for themselves and to have rest from their enemies. They killed 75,000 of their adversaries, but they did not confiscate their property. All this happened on the 13th day of the month of Adar. Then they rested on the 14th day and made it a day for banqueting and happiness. But the Jews who were in Susa assembled on the 13th and 14th days and rested on the 15th day, making it a day for banqueting and happiness. This is why the Jews who are in the rural country, those who live in rural villages, set aside the 14th day of the month of Adar for happiness, banqueting, and a holiday and sending gifts to one another. Mordecai wrote these matters down and sent letters to all the Jews who were throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, to have them observe the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar each year, as a time when the Jews gave themselves rest from their enemies, the month when their trouble was turned to happiness and their mourning to, ho- to a holiday. These were to be days of banqueting, happiness, sending gifts to one another, and providing for the poor. So the Jews committed themselves to continuing what they had begun to do and to what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had devised plans against the Jews to destroy them. He cast pure, that is, the lot, in order to afflict and destroy them. But when the matter came to the king's attention, the king gave written orders that Haman's evil intentions that he had devised against the Jews should fall on his own head. He and his sons were hanged on the gallows. For this reason, these days are known as Purim, after the name Pur. Therefore, because of the account found in this letter, and what they had faced in this regard, and what had happened to them, the Jews established as binding on themselves, their descendants, and all who joined their company, that they should observe these two days without fail, just as it is written, and at the appropriate time on an annual basis. These days were to be remembered and to be celebrated in every generation and in every family, every province, and every city. The Jews were not to fail to observe these days of Purim. The remembrance of them was not to cease among their descendants. So Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter about Purim. Letters were sent to all the Jews in all 127 provinces of the empire of Ahasuerus, words of true peace, to establish these days of Purim in their proper times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established, and just as they had established both for themselves and their descendants matters pertaining to fasting and lamentation. Esther's command established these matters of Purim, and the matter was officially recorded. King Hashuerus then imposed forced labor on the land and on the coastlands of the sea. Now all the actions carried out under his authority and his great achievements, along with an exact statement concerning the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king promoted, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus. He was the highest ranking Jew, and he was admired by his numerous relatives. He worked enthusiastically for the good of his people and was an advocate for the welfare of all his descendants. 
And so we finished this book of Esther. And one of the amazing things about the book of Esther is that the name God doesn't appear once in the whole book. And yet as you read it and you see how the story unfolds, you can't help but ask that there's no way that any of this happened by chance. There's just too many things that happened the way they did to say that this was some chance encounter, but it shows God's hands all throughout, even though they are more hidden in one sense than they would otherwise be. And so we see that through this book, God is protecting his people in ways that are beyond their expectation and imagination. And now as we turn to the book of Revelation, and we go to chapter 3, and we hear Jesus's message to the churches in Sardis, Philadelphia, and also in Laodicea. And in these, we see Jesus speaking to his people, to his churches, the local churches, and warning them, encouraging them, and reminding them that his goal and discipline is to bring them back to a greater love for him, obedience to him, and trust in him. So let's read Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write the following. This is the solemn pronouncement of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, that you have a reputation that you are alive, but in reality you are dead. Wake up then, and strengthen what remains that was about to die, because I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Therefore, remember what you received and heard, and obey it, and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will never know at what hour I will come against you. But you have a few individuals in Sardis who have not stained their clothes, and they will walk with me dressed in white because they are worthy. The one who conquers will be dressed like them in white clothing, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will declare his name before my Father and before his angels. The one who has an ear better hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the following. This is the solemn pronouncement of the Holy One, the True One, who holds the key of David, who opens doors no one can shut, and shuts doors no one can open. I know your deeds. Look, I have put you in front I have put in front of you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, but you have obeyed my word and have not denied my name. Listen, I am going to make those people from the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews yet are not, but are lying. Look, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Because you have kept my admonition to endure steadfastly, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is about to come on the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take away your crown. The one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and, will, and he will never depart from it. I will write my name on him and the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven from God, and my new name as well. The one who has an ear had better hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write the following. This is the solemn pronouncement of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have acquired great wealth and need nothing. But do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
Take my advice and buy gold from me, refined by fire, so that you can become rich. Buy from me white clothing so you can be clothed and your shameful nakedness will not be exposed. And buy eye salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. All those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into his home and will share a meal with him and he, will, and he with me. I will grant the one who conquers permission to sit with me on my throne, just as I too conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The one who has an ear had better hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so here we have Jesus again, making it clear to these three churches that there are good things happening, but also he warns them and disciplines them. He rebukes them and calls them to back to faithful, loving service, remembering his grace and his love and living out of it in a way that is meant to always be drawing them ever closer to himself. And that is the goal of discipline. God's discipline, while hard sometimes and difficult, is always meant to make us grow in our love for him, our love for others, and our maturity in becoming more like our Savior Jesus. And so, as we see God's protection and we see his discipline, we are encouraged and strengthened because they are motivated by love. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You were always there. You were always there. Whispering the truth.